Made it. Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Remember last week, um, we had some of the, the best attendance in our worship service that we've had since pre-COVID. And, and you remember, and what did I do? I started preaching on generosity. So thanks for coming back. I want to share with you this morning, I'm, I'm really excited about this message that God is, is, has this morning, and my prayer is that you would just take a hold of it and you would realize that God is able. I want you to know before we begin, I believe with all of my heart that somewhere in Wichita, it may be a man, it may be a woman, it may be a grandma, a grandpa, maybe a teacher, it may be, a, it, it may be who knows what, but I really believe that there's somewhere there's an individual who are on their knees right now, and they're praying this prayer before God. Lord, Thanksgiving's coming, and I don't have enough money to provide for my family the type of Thanksgiving meal that I would like for them to have. And so I'm just coming to you, and I'm praying, and I'm asking, would you provide? Would you just provide a way? I'm asking this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you agree with me that God does his best work through his people? And would you also agree with me that you and I have a chance to be the answer to somebody's prayer? Now, I know you probably know this statistic, so I'm not going to share something with you don't know, but the United States is the wealthiest country in all of the world. Did you know that? Number two is China. And number three, a distant third is Japan. So how does that make you feel that you live in the richest country in all of the world? I mean, think about it. The American dream, right? People come from all around the world. They want to come to America so they can experience the American dream. I can move there, I can bring my family, I can start my own business, I can make all kinds of money, and I can live the luxurious life, aha, the American dream. You know what's interesting about that, though? That if, in fact, that that statistic that America is the richest and wealthiest nation in all of the world, does it not bother you then that we have poverty? And what does that say about us? Doesn't the Bible tell us, to whom much is given, much is expected? So the question that we have to answer today is this, is, so how do we become a generous nation? It's real simple. We become a nation of generous people, right? But that doesn't happen overnight. So I want to share with you some statistics about where our United States is when it comes to giving. Did you know that 2% of all Americans give less than, excuse me, I need to rephrase that. 85% of all Americans give less than 2% of their income. Now in the church, we talk about the tithe. We talk about 10% is the tithe. In the church, depending on what denomination you're in, that number of people, that percentage of people that tithe is anywhere from 10 to 25%. 
But even in the church, the average individual gives 2.5% of their net income. You know what that tells me? It tells me we don't believe God is able. Now, here's something I think is really interesting. This will blow your mind away. If the rest of the 75% of the people who don't tithe, let's say that 25% of them tithe, if the rest of the 75% of them tithe, do you want to know what we could accomplish? Well, the first thing that we could do is we could eliminate global hunger, starvation, and preventative diseases in five years. And we could get rid of all water and sanitation problems in all of the world. And... Every missionary, overseas missionary fund would be fully funded. And we'd have $100 billion left over every year. Wow. So, generosity is not easy. But if we're going to be generous, I think that the thing we need to remember is that there has to be a starting point. You have to start somewhere, and you can start small, but that's not the direction I'm going. What I want you to know is that if we want to be a generous people, here's the first thing you have to understand. You have to see the need. You can't close your eyes. You can't turn your head away from it. You have to see the need. Now, I kind of found something that I thought was kind of interesting, and I'll get to that in a minute, but there's some stuff that you need to know about what's happening right here in Sedgwick County. Here's what I mean. Our Kansas Food Bank, did you know that they feed more than 945,000 people in 85 counties every year? Isn't that amazing? 48% of those families have a decision to make each and every month. You know what the decision is? Do I pay my bills or do I feed my family? Now, the statistic that really got me was this one. 39% of all of those families consume food beyond its expiration date. (laughs) And I don't like leftovers. But here's the thing that I think is the most humorous. Did you know that at Christmas time, in fact, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, the traffic lights department in Sedgwick County gets more complaints in this month than they do all the rest of the year? You know why? Because the lights are too long. That's the number one complaint. So I want you to think about that. From coming up in another week until Christmas Day, guess what? The complaints that the traffic system is going to get is that the lights are too long. But here's what's really interesting. Do you know why they complain that they're too long? Because they have to look at the beggars who are asking for money. Oh, oh, does that ever say something about us? Now, I don't know about you, because I know that's not you, but I know that when a person stands on the corner and they're asking for food, it is their goal to make eye contact with you. I mean, duh, we all get that right. I mean, think about it. Whenever you watch TV and the animal shelter needs money, what do they put on the screen? They put on the things that are going to tug at your heart, right? 
Or the same thing that when, if, if St. Jude Hospital or whatever, they put on the things that are going to tug on your heart. And that's why at those corners, those individuals, they want to catch your eye because they want you to see them. But you know what we've learned is we've learned that we turn our head. We don't want to see them. And what happens is, is that we miss out on the very starting point of what it means to be generous. You have to see the need. And so I'm going to encourage you during this next four or five weeks, when you're standing at the, or when you're sitting at a stoplight that you're thinking is too long, number one, don't call the traffic department. But if you see somebody who needs some help, give them a couple bucks. All right, now, I know there are some of you who are thinking already, but Pastor Bob, I may be helping their alcoholism or their drug habit or whatever. And what I would say to you is, that's not your responsibility. You know what the Bible tells us to do? Plant the seed. And you're right, somebody may see that and use it for the wrong thing. They may may grab that and use it for the wrong thing. But here's the other thing that you forget. You know what God's interested in? God's interested in the act. Because the act can be a reflection of our heart. And you never know who's watching you. And they may be the very ones who are thinking, wow, look how kind they are to someone else. That is a generous person. And remember, generosity is what makes us look like Jesus. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. And I will read from 1 Kings chapter 17. I'm going to read from verses 7 through 16. Listen to this very familiar story. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. He's talking about Elijah here. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I might have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and then die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up And the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, just as you've given to me, expecting nothing in return, help me now to give to others with a heart filled with joy 
And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. All right, so would you humor me for a second? This means yes, okay? Here's what I want you to do. Everybody close your eyes. And I want you to picture yourself that you're in your vehicle. It's December the 17th. It's dark out. There's a light snow in the, that's falling, and uh, you had to go to Walmart. So you and your spouse or your family or whatever, you're sitting in the parking lot, and you get out and you begin to walk towards Walmart. You got to walk a ways because, well, there's so many people there. And then you hear a sound, and it sounds like this. Okay, you can open your eyes now. So I want to ask you something. You know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? It happens all the time at Christmas time. And when you hear that sound ringing, the first thing you do is you start looking where it's coming from. And sure enough, there's a man dressed in a red suit with a white beard. And right next to him is what? A red kettle. What's he doing? He's collecting money so that the people, so that they can help provide meals for people at Christmas. That's what they're doing. Now, I don't want you to answer this question for me, but how many of you, when you hear this at Christmas time, get annoyed? How many of you pick the farthest door from the red kettle to go in and come out? And doesn't it just kind of cut you to the core when you walk by real fast and somebody says to you, knowing that you haven't given anything, God bless you, have a Merry Christmas, right? I guess I'm the only one that happens to, right? Back in the late 1800s, there was a gentleman by the name of Captain Joseph McPhee. And while he was laying in bed one day, the Lord put on his heart that he was supposed to feed a thousand people at Christmas time. He lived in the Bay Area. And so his job was to find a thousand people in San Francisco that could not and would not have a Christmas meal and he was to feed them. So he was trying to figure out, how do I go about doing this? Then he remembered his days of being a sailor. And what he remembered was is that in England, they would put a big kettle on the pier. And when people, when the people would come and go, they would throw money in there, and that money was all meant for those who were, who were less fortunate, who were poor. And so what he did is he got a red iron kettle, and he set it on the pier in San Francisco, and guess what happened? People started putting money in there. And then he put a slogan on the pot. You know what it said? Keep the pot boiling. That Christmas, he had enough money to pay for a thousand meals for those who didn't have it in San Francisco. But in the next six years, that that whole concept moved all the way across the United States, all the way to Boston. It's what the Salvation Army does. And do you know that each and every year, the Salvation Army feeds four and a half million people on Christmas Day. All because one man realized that he served a God 
who was able. And he was able to do something immeasurably more than what this man could think or imagine. So in our story, Elijah had just gone to the king and he told the king that there wasn't going to be land, there was, excuse me, there wasn't going to be rain on the land for a long time until he came back and said, and in those days and in Israel, water's everything. If you don't have water, you die. And so Elijah, who's not very popular with the king right now, what does he do? He listens to the Lord and the Lord says, Elijah, I want you to go to the Cherith Brook and I want you to stay, and here's the most important word in that, saying, in that, in that verse, there. You gotta stay there. You know why? Because there is where God is gonna supply all of his needs. There is where obedience is. And as long as you stay there, you're gonna have water from the brook, and I'm gonna command the ravens to bring you food. So Elijah, as long as you stay there, you're gonna be okay. You know what's interesting though is, you know what the word cherith means? To cut away. So that means Elijah knew that when he was going to the cutaway brook, God had some pruning to do in his life. If you look in chapter 18, you can see that this whole story took place about two years. Two years Elijah had to supply completely on God to supply his food and his water. Now in our story, the Bible tells us that the brook is getting dry. And Elijah has to be thinking, where am I gonna continue to get water? Where am I gonna get my food from? And then the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and he says, Elijah, I want you to go to Zarephath. That's a Gentile city. And when you go there, you're gonna meet a widow. And when you meet that widow, I'm going to use her to supply all your needs. So there's two things that we need to understand. And you will experience this in life. And here's what I mean by that. Number one, God is known to make things uncomfortable in your life in one area to get you to move into the area of being in his perfect will. So if you're going through a time right now and things are uncomfortable, they just don't feel like the same, and you feel like God may be talking to you, telling you, maybe you're just feeling unsettled, you know what, it's okay. Because God may just be moving you, causing you to move so that you can be in the center of his perfect will. And the second thing is this, is that when Elijah was going to this woman, this widow, I wonder what he was thinking. To me, I would be thinking something like this. Ah, rich widow. Probably has a bungalow behind her, her house. Finally, I've already sacrificed. Now I deserve God's blessing and his goodness. But that's not what happened. The Bible tells us that Elijah went to Zarephath and he had to find a widow. Well, remember what we talked about in the last couple of weeks? It was easy to find a widow because of the way they dressed, right? The way they dressed, they had, they had little means of, of, of making money. And so when they dressed, they knew that you knew that they were a widow because they were very poor. But there's something else that this widow did in this story that you have to pick up on, and that is this. In those days, they used coals to bake. What's she doing? She's gathering sticks so she can start a fire. Oh, this is one poor widow. And so Elijah sees her and having to call out to her to see, I gotta find out who this woman is. It's like Elijah has a sense of urgency. You know why? Because he's hungry. 
And God said that this widow was going to provide for him. So he calls out to this widow. Remember what he said? Get me a piece of, uh, get, get me a drink of water. Now I know you remember this from the woman, the woman at the well. Remember reciprocal hospitality. She had to do that. So she goes and gets him a drink of water. And then he says, and by the way, can you get me a piece of bread too? And now the widow turns to face him. And let's pick up the story and see what happens here. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now the question that I want you to ask is this, how do we know? How do we know that Elijah knew that that was the woman that God had already chosen? And the answer is in that very first line. As surely as the Lord your God lives. Remember, the Jews always used to pray, pray, pray the prayer in the morning. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. When the widow uses that word, the Lord, the Lord your God lives, that's the name of Jehovah. So here's Elijah, and he now comes, and this woman says, as the Lord your God lives, as Jehovah your God lives, Elijah knows this is the woman because she's using the name of his God. And you know what's comforting? The woman knows his name. Now watch. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me. I want you to pick up on that. There's something very important here. Before she takes care of herself, God says, you take care of my servant. It's almost like God now is testing the widow. You want to believe in God? You want to trust in God? When you find yourself in a situation that you never thought you'd find yourself, and now you have the opportunity to trust him or not, you have a decision to make. And so does she. Look what happens here. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She had a choice. Do I believe this Israelite? This man of God, do I believe him? Or do I just go and make something for me and then we die? What would you do? Would you trust God? Would you believe even when there's no evidence for you to believe that he will do what he says he's going to do? Take a look at this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God loves us so much that sometimes he will put you in situations where you are forced to make a choice. Sometimes you will find yourself in a place because of circumstances where God's going to say, since you won't choose to step out in faith, I'm going to make you step out in faith, but I'm doing it not to punish you, but to prove to you your God is able. Look at something here. Generosity is not about what is in your pocket. It's about what's in your heart. 
you are a very generous people. You are a very generous people, and I thank you so much for that. Did you know that we have been doing this Thanksgiving giveaway since before 1983? We started with a little, and now we're going to feed hopefully some 2,500 families. See how God has entrusted us with a little, and now he's giving us a lot. And you know what? This year, when we didn't think we were going to have any turkeys, what did God do? God came through. And what did he tell in Central Community? He continues to tell us this. See, even when there's no turkeys, I am able. And God provided us with everything we have. And I also want you to know this. Thank you, Central Community, because all the hams are paid for. Isn't that awesome? But I also want you to know that over the years, we have fed almost 100,000 people. Isn't that amazing? All right, now, it doesn't stop there. A few years ago, we started a campaign called Write the Vision. Some of you are part of that. Some of you are new, and you don't know anything about it. You're going to find out something about it. Anyway, what we did is we, we put together a vision or a plan of what we want the 60-some acres to look like. But to begin that plan, we started by that we were going to build a chapel. Why did you build a chapel? Well, sometimes this room is too big for weddings and funerals because the average wedding and, or funeral is somewhere around 200, and this place is too big for that. And so what we did is we stepped out in faith, and we built that chapel. And I want to tell you, when the money all came in that we, had, that we had raised, we were short a few million dollars. And you know what happened? We voted to go ahead in faith, to step out of faith and build the chapel, believing that God would take care of it. As of last week, at the end of October, that chapel is completely paid for. Isn't that awesome? That's the goodness of our God. Now, that chapel is used all the time, and I don't know if you remember this, but one of the sayings that we said was this, if one life was transformed, it would be worth it, right? Since we've had that chapel, I'm sure glad we didn't know COVID was coming, because that would have probably, I'm not sure I want to do that, but we did, and you know what? During that COVID series, or during that, that season, our giving didn't go down, it went up. Since that time, we have done 55 whatever weddings, and we have done almost 100 funerals or celebrations of life, as we like to call them, in that chapel. What you have done is you have planted seeds, and those seeds have brought some amazing results. Now, I want to tell you that I have an advantage over you, and the advantage that I have over you is that I get to see a lot of times the fruit from some of the seeds that are planted. And today, I wanted you to see the result of one seed that you planted when you decided to build that chapel. I want you to watch this video, and I want you to listen very carefully to how God used what you did to change somebody's life. Watch this. Well, good morning, Central Community Church, and I want to introduce you to somebody, one of my favorite people here at Central, and this is Tori. So what do you do here at Central Community? Um, well, I am right now an accounting 
clerk, so I help with finance a little bit, and then I am um, a guest coordinator, so I work with all of our first-time guests and kind of walk along those steps um, and also help volunteers find where God's put it on their heart to serve within the church. What was life like for Tori a year ago? Um, it was harder. Uh, it was, I guess in a way, messy. I feel like I was always on a search for something in my life, um, filling a void that I could never actually fill. So would you say that you were a believer a year ago? No. Okay. And what did you think about people who were believers? It was kind of fake. Okay. <laughs> that the stories, the videos that I saw on social media, it was, um, you know, just kind of a con. <laughs> and thank you for being honest. Why don't you then, if you don't mind sharing with us a little bit about what brought you to Central Community Church? I was in a um, very tragic car accident um, just in January of this year, and um, my daughter Reagan passed, and we had her service here in the chapel. What brought you here were some extraordinary circumstances, yes. something that I know none of us ever thought that we would go through. You had your service here, and you remember that after the service, um, all of us who are working with you and the family, we invited you to church on mm -hmm. Sunday. And did you come? Yes. So after you came on that Sunday, I don't think you missed a Sunday. No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. And so share with the church, what happened in the next few months in your life? I, um, I walked through the doors and every Sunday I was greeted. I was loved on um, by the congregation, by the people serving on Sunday by the staff members, um, and I was literally, I mean, we were walked through each step. There was, you know, a group of staff that sat and prayed with me, and um, that's when I kind of gave my heart to Jesus. I accepted Him, um, and then we were baptized, um, all of my family. Um, Your entire family were all in the water, right? Yeah, at the same time, yeah, we all made that, that devotion to Jesus, and um, we've been on that path ever since. And so, now, every Sunday since then, you guys have been here at Central Community Church, and we go back to my very first question. So tell us again, what are you doing now here at Central Community Church? <laughs> I am um, very involved. I love what I do, and I, I feel fulfilled. I feel like I'm where I was always supposed to be. I felt, like I said, was always lost, and here, like I know that this is home, I know that this is where God's always called me to be and Central has planted those seeds. They literally walked every step with me hand in hand and have brought me out of darkness and into a light wow. that I'm thankful for. Amen. If you had to say something to the church about the chapel, about their generosity, about where we are now, what would you tell them? I would say it's a... Uh, Man, it was a crazy thing that brought me here, um, a very unfortunate thing, but I now have hope um, thanks to Central Community walking along the steps with me um, and bringing me to the light, giving me this hope, showing me this hope, and I'm just very thankful for all that you've done for me. This church and the staff and the congregation, it's been amazing, quite a journey. And that's why we do what we do, and thank you, Central Community, for your generosity. Isn't that awesome? 
Little Reagan, little girl, was just six years old when the Lord called her home. And through that meeting, Tori and her family came to know Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And now they know they will be reunited with Reagan one day. That's because, central community, you stepped out in faith and you gave and four lives, and who knows how many more are being transformed for the kingdom of God. That's what we're about. Amen? Amen. Now, one of the things I want you to remember in life, and I'm going to wrap this up now, is that in life you're either moving towards your treasure or you're moving away from your treasure. So I want you to think about that. Are you moving towards your treasure right now or are you moving away from your treasure? Well, maybe you need to understand a little bit more about what your treasure is, okay? The Bible tells us that there are two things that are eternal. One of them is the souls of people and the second thing is the word of God. Here's what I want you to hear. Anytime you invest, anytime you become generous in those areas, investing in people's lives, investing in getting the word of God out to others, you are moving towards your treasure because you are sending your treasure ahead to the kingdom of heaven. This coming week, we're not just going to feed individuals. We're not just going to meet a physical need. We're also going to meet a spiritual need. Because what we're going to do is that as they come through in those lines, they're going to see all of you they're going to see little Jesus Christ's walking around. And as they watch you, and then as they see you meet a physical need when they come around the corner, there's going to be an opportunity for them for prayer. And not only that is we're going to give them God's Word. Why? Because when we meet a physical need, God opens the doors for us to meet spiritual needs. So here's what I want you to remember, and here's what I want you to think about. So as you can see, we still have some bags left over. We need some more helpers in the parking lot, prayer warriors and things like that for this Saturday. All you need to do is go to the guest services, sign up. You just need to be here at 6.30, and then allow God to use you in some pretty amazing ways. I promise you'll probably be done by 10.30 or whatever. It may even be sooner than that. But when you come at 6.30, I want you to be prepared for what you're going to see. You're going to see our entire parking lot packed. Packed with cars. You're going to see a line that's going to go, cars that's going to go all the way down to West Street and then beyond. Of people that God is sending here so that you and I can be an answer to their prayers. Now, we're about to take an offering, and this is our Dollar Club Sunday. And all the money that we raise is going to what we do between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I want to remind you about what those are again. Number one, we have the Thanksgiving giveaway coming up this Saturday. Number two, remember, we are getting ready to cook cookies for our prisoners in the prisons. 
We haven't been able to recently go to the prisons and hand them out, but we're kind of believing that this year we might be able to do that. I remember the first time I went that and I handed a, a bag of cookies to an inmate through the bars. The tears started coming down his cheek. You know why? Because he lived a hopeless life. And during Christmas time, when he had no family or anybody who wanted to even remember him, somebody remembered him by giving him a gift of cookies. We're going to have a huge party for the foster families here in Wichita. That's going to be awesome. And we also collect toys for some of those kids that don't have toys. It truly is better to give than it is to receive. And so as our ushers come forward right now, they're going to come forward with their blue bucks, the buckets, and I'm just going to ask you, please don't give just a dollar. It's not about the amount, but whatever the Lord puts on your heart to give, give, and all of that is going to go towards what we do in this next month. I want to remind you of something here, and I want you to see this on the screen here. Generosity doesn't originate with our ability, it originates with God's. Look at what the scripture verse says in 2 Corinthians. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. We will give without fear and with confidence when our hearts and our minds are convinced that God is able. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to give of what you have entrusted us with. I pray, Lord God, that we would be reminded that you're not concerned about the amount, but what you are concerned about is what's in our heart. We're simply stewards of everything we have, and now we have an opportunity to partner with you in ministry and be Jesus to those who are less fortunate. I pray, Lord God, that we would remember, as you have said in your word, that when we do the, the littlest thing, we are doing it for you. And so, God, take our gift, multiply it 30, 60, and 100 fold, and use it so that others might come to know you as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Okay, before you go, I want to give you the blessing, but one other thing. These bags are up here, so if you would like to come and you would like to help by, by taking some of them, we really need them back as soon as you can get them back, either tomorrow or Tuesday, because we've got a lot of work to do to get everything ready for this Saturday. So, would you please stand, and I want to give you the benediction, and then I'll dismiss you, okay? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you Saturday.